Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Bij Burger King gebeuren spannende dingen. Wat dacht je van een classic cheeseburger, chicken nuggets burger of Sunday voor maar 1 euro per stuk? En dat is nog niet alles. Alle King deals zijn maar 1 euro. Haal ze nu alleen bij Burger King. Good afternoon and welcome to Monday's Royal Blue podcast. Um, we're going to try and get together more often at the start of the week after a game to, uh, in our own humble version of Monday Night Football, to put our heads together and uh, reflect on, review, pull apart the Everton game that's just gone. Uh, it's Greg O'Keefe, the Everton editor, joined by the Everton correspondent at the Echo, Phil Kirkbride, Gareth Barry, as ever, of our podcast, Big Gav Buckland. And he might not head the ball like Jamie Carragher, but he is ahead the ball. <laughs> Our very own Tony Scott. Um, so I will start with you because uh, you were there on Friday night and um, it was the cliched tale of two halves, wasn't it? We, we can't seem to put together one cohesive 90-minute performance yet. Yeah, it's, it's been similar to what we've seen so far this season. But we were back to back to at least having a go. We've seen some conviction in the first half. The tempo was there. Everything... What we know Everton are capable of, but we just didn't see it in the second half. One thing I'd like to get off my chest is that we we heard and we all we all heard it was the booze at the end, and I think Evertonians need to get some perspective into this. Is that we've just witnessed two seasons of the worst football I've ever witnessed from watching Everton. We finished in the bottom half. The worst two, ever. Well, where? No, go on, worst. Worst. At least the teams when we were, when we were fighting relegation were actually having a go. The last two seasons, they were, it was being awful. But let's put this in perspective. This season, we've got four wins from seven. We're sitting there in the top five. Why are people actually booing the team after this start? It's our second best ever start to a Premier League campaign. Now, what do they expect? We're above Chelsea. We're above Manchester United. Now, where, where did he see this team going? This is Koeman. He's hardly got his feet under the table. He's bought three or four players. And we're getting booed off after finishing the top five into the first seven games. It just doesn't... I don't see the logic in it. We've got the second-best defence in the league. Now, I, I just can't get my head around it. If someone who was listening, get in touch, who was booing the team, fine, get in touch and let me know what your recollection is of doing it because I just can't get my head around it at all. I, I think it's probably worth stressing, obviously, wasn't it? You can't do an account. It, it was the minority in Goodison. Yeah, it was minority, Phil, so, but they were still booing. Yeah, no, I heard them. It, it, it felt half-hearted. I think it was more bought. I'm guessing. I'm trying to get into their heads. I think it was born out of frustration. It was a it was a frustrating second half. We never really got going. We conceded a goal. Probably could have conceded a second if, <laughs> if you know the excellent assistant linesman, assistant refereeing. Sorry. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Tony. I don't think it was necessary, but I also wasn't kind of reading too much into it. I think is the best way of putting it. But you're right. I I don't I don't understand why those people did but I, it, you know the, the majority wouldn't have done so the fans that are that did boo what do they expect mm. Everton where did they expect Everton to be top of the league or I think I, I think it was um, again I'm trying to get into yeah. their heads I think it was a, a sense of we've started the season very well we had a little 
because we've had a little setback with the Norwich game and then obviously Bournemouth. I think we were expecting a reaction. I think I think we've probably gone in. A lot of us have gone in thinking, well, we should be beating Palace at home. It's Friday night. You know, we want to we want to start the weekend with a win. It, it, it felt it felt like an opportunity, and we spoke about it last week. I think there's this kind of in the background, it's City on October the 15th lurking, and I think people are thinking, well, we need to get points under the board before mm. we start playing the big boys. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't understand why those people did it, but I think it was more. I think it, it felt half-hearted, and I wasn't. It wasn't the thing I was going away from Goodison thinking about. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, he found out that Tony wasn't going for a drink after the game. So I'm <laughs> yeah, uh, him with the with the podcast crew. Do you think someone was in for the referee, or was it a uh, bit of both? Was maybe. Both, yeah. I think it's just an accumulation of three games where we scored one goal. That one from free kick. Mm. Uh, so we haven't scored in three games open play and I think it's an accumulation of that and well, can we need to realise where we yeah, are what do you expect people are entitled to boo if you're paying 40, 50 quid a, a t- you know, they are entitled to, to, to voice whatever opinion I'm always in that that, that, that sort of position when people do it um, I think it was just frustrating after the end of 90 minutes where you started off reasonably okay and then have tailed off if you do it the other way doesn't tend to happen, does it? Uh, but we, we just we started off well, as you say, told plenty of intensity. Mm. The second half, I think we lost our shape a little bit. Yeah. I think maybe the subs came on a little bit too late. I think we didn't use three subs either. Did we only use two on uh, two on Friday? Right, yeah. Um, I think it was that. Plus, I mean, Palace. You know, over the last four seasons, they probably mm. be, you know, maybe one or two of our most difficult opponents at Goodison. Yeah. Is that? They always seem to raise the game. They're always difficult to play against. They've got a threat on the break. They're big, they're powerful. Uh, we don't seem to be able to work them out at all. Um, and again, we were probably luckiest just to, you know, to get a point. Um, and I think um, you know we, we need to 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 remember that because one all against Palace, we said on Friday is probably as long as you don't avoid defeat. We, 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 you know, we said we'd probably take it. Uh, and but I I I I do people's right to be I can understand why they did but I know what you're saying as well that what are we fourteen points from seventeen? Is this a case of the I, expectation I, levels being risen? Yeah, I think I think I think expectation levels have shot up. I think they'd gone up when the manager came in, but then the start we had, they've they've yeah. perhaps wrongly. Yeah. But you can't blame anybody for getting excited and carried away and enthusiastic about the football team. But perhaps they have gone. Too high, and I, and I wrote about it. And even the manager said before, and his program notes that he's a realist, and it's all about realism. We're very much this work in progress. I think that game kind of exemplified it. But look, I, I don't know. And, and look, there was times during, uh, certainly before it, it reached the real low points of Roberto's era, where people were booing, and I didn't agree with it. But I actually beginning to wonder. And Gav might be a little bit better, better place to sort of talk about, but. I think booing has almost become something it wasn't 30 years ago. If, if 30 years ago, probably, if, if, a t- if a crowd booed, that was it. That was the mm. end of the manager, and that, you know, kind yeah. of lost them. It's almost become as much as singing a song now. Yeah. Greg, sorry, is this a generation of football fans in general, not just Evertonians, that they want the quick fix straight away? Yeah. They don't, yes. they, they're not going to have one defeat. That's That's the, do they, want, they want the title tomorrow, basically. I think so, yeah. I think as Phil was Phil saying there, it's... Um, a boo isn't as as damning, if you like, as it would have been ten years ago, or, or certainly further back than that. It is the 
in fact, on Friday night football, you know, one of the kind of signifiers of the new Premier League era, if you like, it was probably a little sign of the new Premier League fan. I'd be surprised if any of the older fans were, were booing at the end, because as you say, you know, they've seen a lot worse over the years, mm. uh, and more recently they've seen certainly a lot more kind of insipid, uh, patience testing football. But I think what Gav said hit hit on really. If if they'd started a bit sluggishly, they'd got booed at half time, and then if they'd finished the way they started mm. in the first half, then I think it would have been you know quite a case of you know the old lady rocking, but. Um, Half-time booze never really rankle or, or make as much of an impact as full-time booze, especially when you're on TV. I don't know if the cameras picked it up, because obviously we were all yeah. there at Goodison, weren't we? But, uh, you know, if it keeps Koeman and, and the players honest and keeps their mind focused and lets them know maybe the expectancy levels of what's what's required at Goodison, then it's no bad thing. I don't like it when, for example, it's individual younger players getting targeted. We've had in the past with Ross Barkley... You know, where people have caught on his back. Uh, it hasn't happened much this season, if at all, actually. So, to the credit of the supporters, I've got no time for that. But, general, uh, you know, as Gav says, smattering of booze, the way they finished, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it myself when I was, you know, before yeah. I was a, a sports journalist when I was just there. Yeah. I don't think I would have booed that performance off, but I have booed, yeah. believe me, I've booed a lot of Goodison yeah. Park, and uh, I would boo again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think going back to Phil's point, um, about some sort of historical stuff. I mean, this was Ferguson's point, wasn't it, about football supporters living in the social media age, you want instant gratification, instant success and stuff, and therefore people have got less patience. So I think I think, I think think that's one of the reasons, isn't it? It's just a reflection of modern life. Um, going back to years ago, I mean, I see the far worse performances and that, that, that way in booed. Um, I, think, I think it probably goes back to... Um, and again, years ago the team was rubbish. You paid two pound fifty for a stand ticket. <laughs> you know, you know, like sort of. They probably got lower expectations. You paid forty quid for a stand ticket. Mm. Now it, it sort of puts a different perspective on things to mm. to, to a degree. But I do think it is down to people want a bit more instant success, and we all know social media and internet and all that, and whatever virtual communities, whatever they're called, um, contribute towards that. Um, but I. I can understand it, but I don't. I didn't agree with it. I blame podcasts. Moving on, <laughs> moving on to the matters on the pitch. Um, Phil Martin Stekelenberg's had a brilliant start in many ways to life as Everton's number one, as he is. Um, he certainly had the, the most kind of in terms of his own confidence. The biggest underlining of what Cumin th- thought of him when he bypassed the chance, albeit very expensively, to sign uh, Joe Hart. He looked like it was a very shrewd decision, and then. Look, let's not be knee-jerk, but there have been a couple of little signs of the last couple of games, um, particularly, I thought, on Friday night, that maybe he's looking a bit more like the stand-in goalie coming towards the end of his career that we thought we were getting rather than someone who's going to do an Nigel Martin, if you like. Yeah, I, I think that everybody would reflect, and, and Martin himself would reflect, that he didn't cover himself in a great deal of glory for the goal. Now, it depends which way you look at it. I know, I've, I've heard... Heard some people. I think I think I think it was Alan Smith on Sky was doing the comms. I can't remember. I think he was he was trying to emphasise how good a header it was. It was a great now, header. It, what it was, you know, Benteke is great in the air. Really, sort of turned his neck and got a lot of direction. Obviously, we we were disappointed the fact that Stecklenberg didn't move. Now, I, th- I think I think he's misjudged it. I think he thinks he's going wide. I think I think that's why he's kind of just watched it. Um, 
Yeah, so I can understand why people have started um, looking at him and, and, and sort of questioning, did we get a little bit carried away with Stecklenburg? But I'd also point back to Spurs on the open day of the season where he was excellent and saved us a point in the end with two cracking saves. Yes, at West Brom, he complained of a foul, but it caught, got caught under the ball for the goal. But in the build-up to the goal, he made a great save from Rondon one-on-one. In the second half of the early, about five minutes in, he makes a great save and keeps us in it. Um, and it's the it's the stuff that you can't quantify, the sort of the stuff that isn't sort of tangible, the effect he's having on the rest of the back four. Now, I'm sure Jagielka and Ashley Williams and Baines when he's fit and, and Seamus would say, if they were being brutally honest, the uncertainty over the last season's goalkeeping position, the changing and, 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 and the unease, especially Goodison with Tim, would have an effect at some level on on their performance and the feel of the team defensively. So I think the fact that Koeman has, has gone right, Steckenberg's my number one. He's he's a consistent character. He's he's composed. He's very assured of himself. You know he's made mistakes, but on the whole, I think he's been he's been something that we've needed. And let's just see how he goes. I, I certainly don't want to be just suddenly writing him off because I think he's he's made an encouraging and, and mostly positive start. Yeah, I mean I think you're right. I certainly agree about the effect on the defence. You can see it's five goals in seven games, which is equals our Premier League lowest. Best or whichever mm. way you look at Second it. Second best defence in the league. Yeah, um, I think the more disappointing thing on Friday was the, the, the what happened to the ball before it went in. You yeah. know, the, the fact that we we've, we've allowed a bit like like two or three crosses to come in this season. Maybe scored, haven't they? Uh, Spurs, West Brom. Yeah, and, right. Yeah. And you got, got a fella who's traditionally very good in the air, being marked by probably maybe our smallest player. Yeah, fullback. You know, and. Should we be doing better there? Because uh, he, he worked well, Ben Teke, didn't mm. he? Because no, they knew he what they were doing. Yeah, he got behind, he got behind Coleman, which if you're being marked by a centre-half, we probably know how to lead that run a little bit more. So it was the manner of the goal full stop from start to finish. That was a, a disappointing thing for me, not just uh, Stecklenberg's part, in it? I think it was a concern for me, is that you could see what was happening, what Crystal Palace's plan was. They were getting those, really, Ashley Williams and um, Phil Jagielka, were probably out-muscling Ben Teke, so... It was clever, apart from Ben Teke, to play on the smallest on the fullback because he was getting lots of joy of it. The thing that concerned me is that it was going on for far too long, and until Cumin seen that, and then he brought Funes Mori on for Oviedo when he needs a big lads at the back. I thought he should have done it a lot earlier than made that substitute because it was a concern. It I think it happened for the goalers where they, they disallowed goal. Mm. He was just pinging balls back to the back mm. post, and Stecklenberg again was rooted. Mm. I think that was a concern yeah. for me is that he weren't just. He didn't get away. He got away with the first one. Fine, fair enough. He thought it was going wide. If not, it's got it's a goal. Make sure it doesn't happen again. But again, it happened where he just turns and he's rooted to the spot. I'm afraid that's not good enough. You've got to learn your lesson. I know. I agree. I have to say that, you know, we were good value for a point, but that's probably a one in ten slice of fortune in the sense that the assistant referee has been that switched on that he's seen James MacArthur try and go further because it was a fraction of a reaction from MacArthur. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, that goal stands, yeah. and we get beat two one. Mm. Nine so, times out of ten, does punching clear it off the line, and does Martin Kelly get back and clear it? I, off the line? I think punching his clearance off the line was, was pretty routine, to be honest with you. It was a good header mm. by the Garrett guy. Barry. The guy situation that should have been in the back of the net. It's just a guy should have hit the back of the net. But I know what you, I know what you mean, Phil. I just mean that really we've relied on a very rare bit of excellence, if you like, from a from an official, and you can't afford to do that. Which is why just I brought up Stuckelenberg. For me, he was too static. 
I don't. So just on that, on uh, it was a really good decision by the assistant. But I also say I was genuinely disappointed in John Moss's performance. Um, I found him pedantic, and I found that he didn't allow Everton. Now there was a lot of things Everton didn't do right, and blaming the referee is not, you know, going to solve the problems. But I felt that he he it concerned me that he was an official. He had the look of an official and and made decisions on the night. It says to me. If we're going to get him again this season, which we will do because we're actually yeah. scheduled to get John Moss anyway, he won't allow Everton to play as aggressively as Coombe wants him to. He was, for me, he was giving too much away, too many, um, too many free kicks in the favour of Palace based on Everton trying to be strong, trying to be aggressive, trying to be in Palace's face, and it completely interrupted the play, interrupted what they were trying to do. And it probably, in the back of the players' minds, they're probably thinking, well, the manager says... We've got to be aggressive and be in the faces. But we're getting penalised all the time. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe we should just hold off a yard. And it probably exacerbated the problem. Mm. Palace then went, oh, we've got these on the back foot. Pinging balls. Nobody's, cro- nobody's closing them down. So that, that disappointed me. And, you know, I know Roberto wasn't a fan of John Moss and he had run-ins with John and a few of the referees. And you kind of take it with a pinch of salt and you think, well, maybe he's just blaming the refs. But I was, I was, I was slightly concerned by John Moss's yeah, I, I agree. I think you said after the game, I think there was nine yellow cards on Friday, which is the highest in the Premier League game, wasn't it? On the, did you have him bet on that? Yeah, yeah, I think I did. Sorry, Gav, I, I yeah. did say at the start when Clattenburg was replaced. I had a look at John Moss's stats this season, and he was averaging five to six yellow cards per game, which is concerning. Straight away, you're looking yeah. at he's coming in with the not with the points to prove as such, but he's coming in last minute. I'll show you who's in charge, and I think Crystal Palace backed up. Three yellow cards in the first half completely. So it wasn't just Evan. He, he was having a bad game overall, I thought. Yeah, I mean, the only, the only tackle I can remember that was sort of borderline. Well, that wasn't good. Oh, the last in the second yeah, half, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? Was that on Kelly, was it? I think so. Yeah, Mark Kelly. Yeah. 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 And I was going to so come away from that with nine yellow cards. You're thinking there's obviously something gone wrong there a little bit where it wasn't that. It was a, it was a, it was a wholehearted, good, you know, energetic Premier League game. Yeah. Mm, but that was it. It's, wasn't gonna, it, didn't it's, it? it's gonna be interesting to see who we get for the City game on October the fifteenth because obviously it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work out Everton aren't gonna have much of the ball. Mm. But we're gonna have to be solid and we're gonna have to press to try and force the errors and I just wonder whether who we get, are they gonna be is the referee gonna be strong enough to allow us to be physical with City or, you know, City aren't in the key areas, in the attacking areas aren't the most physically uh, imposing team. Are we gonna be is it a concern? You know, we've been at City before and, and, and not had the rubber the green and that sort of Everton thing. are going to have to play the way the press and press City for 90 minutes. Yeah. They've got no other way of doing it. And we've seen in this past week how much it works. Mm. You've seen Celtic do it for 90 minutes and they got results. And you've seen Spurs do it for 90 minutes and they got results. There's no other way of playing against them. So, you so if you let City play, you're finished. So you wouldn't go... Uh, Three the three five two. Well, you know what we did Old Trafford in pre season. Yeah. You wouldn't do that and go try and break us down. No, okay. no way. I think he's just a sit and talk because yeah. inevitably he will break you down. Yeah. If you press City, we've seen it this week. We've witnessed it and it shows you it does work. Mm. If you press City from start to finish, but you've got to do it for ninety minutes, as um, Pochettino said yesterday, we had to yeah. We had to do it. Yeah. There's no if you stop at eighty minutes, they'll get a chance and they'll score. Yeah. And that's what Guardiola said. If that's the way, you have to beat us. To work to that to ninety five minutes, I'll take that because no, not many teams, not many teams can do it. So that's what Everton are going to have to so, do. So that's yeah. a real test of. It we is. Started the season seventy percent fit. Let's really see. Yeah, how now we'll we see. Yeah. I think yeah, that's that's the issue. I think for me is that you know Pochettino, 
is absolutely rigorous uh, to the extreme in it and what he demands of his fitness uh, levels from his players. Kuman's only had what since when he come in to try and get them where he wants with Jan Klutenberg and, and his brother Erwin. And like Phil says, maybe they were 70 at the start of the season. Are they there yet? No. It doesn't look like it to me because they're only putting in one. I, I fear, we'll talk about this on a yeah. later podcast, that the City game might be coming too soon. I haven't seen any signs yet that Everton are ready to go to the Etihad and get a result. I'm being honest. Yeah. I don't want to be pessimistic, but I've got a feeling they could be in the game for a half. But the level Tottenham were at and the level Everton were at was very I think, I think the back four is capable. Sorry, for, I think the back four is capable. I think Barry and Adjusa Guy are. But I don't mm. think the players like Ross, Kevin Morales, Gerard Delefeu, them types of players, they haven't got it to do it in them for 90 minutes. Just looking back on, on, yeah. uh, on Friday... Um, you know, there were a couple of players whose performances wanted to touch on, Gav. Tom Cleverley was obviously a surprise inclusion, really. Did he do enough to justify that for you? Um, good question. He, uh, you can see why, because obviously probably needed to protect Oviedo a little bit more than what Marlas does. Um, and especially with Sahar playing, he's quite a dangerous player, isn't he? Uh, wide, wide right. Uh, from a defensive point of view, I think he did okay, and that was reflected the fact that Oviedo, I thought, had a half decent mm. game. Um, so I think defensively he did. But it goes back to what you were saying at the start of the, the podcast, really. What do you want from a home game against Palace? You know, do you want to win or is one all a good result? And you boo. So defensively, yeah, probably did the job. And for that reason, I'd say, yeah, he's okay. But not, I don't think that's a natural position, is it? No, I think, I think you're right. I think, OK, summed it up. He didn't, certainly, he was solid. He did a tactical job of what he was asked by Koeman. But it's obvious Everton are lacking something in midfield and then further up in the final third. So what do you make of Balassi operating as a bit of a second forward? Some people will say he's better on the wing. What, what's your take on it? I, I think at home it won't work. I think away from home when you've got a nice bigger pitch than what Everton have got, I think if you're away at the Emirates or Old Trafford or anywhere else like that, even at City away, I think you'll get away with it where you can just leave them on the halfway line and you can hit them. But at home, it, it doesn't work. You can you can get smothered at home and I think Balassi's more of a threat on on the on the, on the wide situation. So for me, Balassi at home, throw him on the wing, away from home, up front. I, I fully agree. Um... I think that was... I can understand why Ronald went with them two up front. He probably went... He said, obviously, we need to be more compact. And so he thought, well, between them, they can, they're can strong enough to hold the ball up. They're quick. They're powerful. But the problem was, as you say, Yannick is best when he's on the wing and he's one-on-one. And he can stand up the full-back and skin him. That's where he comes alive. That's, yeah. that's you know... Obviously, Steve Walsh has talked about he gets us up the pitch. But he gets you up the pitch by doing that stretching defences mm. that way. He doesn't get you up the pitch by getting the ball, turning, and having three or four defenders around him in the middle of the, the middle of the of, of their half. That's not that's not where he's comfortable, is it? That's not where we're going to get the best out of him. And again, and we are a broken a broken record, a broken podcast. There's no natural support to Rom, is there? There's no natural number two striker at the minute. Obviously, the you know, time will tell with Enna Valencia, but obviously it was. I don't know. It's early days, but perhaps telling that Ronald didn't. Did he, did he bring him on? Did he? Did he even bring him off the bench? No, no. So again, it's a, it's it's obviously well, it is not obviously about it. It's an area of concern. It's an area that we we don't have enough strength in depth. And I agree. So if we went away to the Etihad and played that, you know, we played Yannick mm. next to Rob and said, "Well, look, 
you just sit on the halfway line when we're, we're defending and we all just launch it to you when we get the ball. Perfect. I think it was in Everton against um, Sunderland away, wasn't it? Yeah. And we just hitting them on the break. Yeah. Nice big pitch, yeah. Falassi. I think West Brom away as well. We just hitting them on the break. Stay nearer to Ron. You would, you would, sorry, you would say, um, you would say that Kevin Morales on paper has the ability to be that second striker, but once again, I'm left. That's got the attitude for me. No, it? I don't think his attitude. Actually, the attitude's been very good this season. I think you know, he shifted weight. He looks like he wants to depress. He doesn't do it consistently, but he looks like he wants to. But my problem is, he doesn't offer enough. He still does not consistently offer enough with the ball. And yeah. that frustrates the hell out of me because he can do it. Look what he did at West Brom. Brilliant. But we're not yeah. seeing it enough. That's, are what, we I mean. here. That's what I mean. We do, yeah, we're going to sound like broken records because, again, the fact he didn't use Anna Valencia makes me feel, until January, this, the it's failings of the it? summer, are going to be star staring us in the face. And I've got fairly thin patience with that because it was obvious what they needed in the summer. Now, for one reason or another, I know Koeman coming in late, Steve Walsh not starting the... You know, not not having a body of work done at Everton beforehand. Problems over Sissoko, who they chased like mad on the last day. Perez, of course. Perez, yeah. Things didn't go the way, didn't get the rub of the green, but they had to grasp for Lentz at the last. I'm just uncomfortable seeing someone who's come in like Balassi for, you know, a deal worth up to one day, th- maybe 30 million quid. Yeah. It feels like <laughs> the way Everton used to do things, whereby they used to buy a, a player to play in one position, realised they'd rent, they were a bit mm. short somewhere else. And forced them to play up front. January can't come yeah. soon enough for me. I, but I think you made the point, I think, Greg, on Friday in your piece after the game that this is not just a problem for this season that's been going on probably three or four years. Like you said, since Lukaku joined the club, how many different players have played in that support role yeah. behind him? You know, Kone, yeah. Taylor Fay last yeah. season, Morales has played, Ross played in the first season, didn't he? Ross has played yeah. again. Yeah. So there's, you know, in three years, Strong's probably had four or five players playing behind him, and we've not really got that that blend right. And, and and I think that's the issue, isn't it? Do you think it's a problem unique to Everton, or is it a problem across the, the Premier League in the market in terms of, you know, people say you take Rom out of the Everton team on Friday night, where's the goals coming from? You'd probably say the same about Palace. I mean, would you maybe say the same about a lot of teams? You know, where's you know where is it? A, is it a problem in the market that there aren't those players around, or that there's a premium on them that puts teams off? I don't know. No, I think the teams that are you look at the teams that are we're trying to be up there where they've got like Liverpool, Manchester United, Chelsea. You know, they've got the forward line, haven't they? They've mm. got players who can. Like, I think Chelsea, for instance, has had Costa. They're getting 10, 15, Bachelet, 20 goals yeah. a season. But they've all got a blend. Liverpool have got a couple of strikers. Manchester United have got them. City have got them. Yeah. Everton. Why do you think Arsenal came in and took Perez yeah. off? They've all yeah, got them. No, you've, yeah. just, you've just, I agree with what you said then. You, you mentioned Crystal Palace. I don't want to be mentioned with Crystal Palace. Yeah, no, I want to yeah, be mentioned yeah. with Arsenal and yeah, Chelsea yeah. and Manchester City. And we need that's, that's two or three forwards. Not just one. We need two yeah. or three. Because when you see these teams... I think even Crystal Palace on, on Friday, you were looking at our bench, we had Tom Davis on it, which I, I wanted to get a game, but you're looking at a part from now, it was quite thin. They had Kabay on the bench ready to bring mm, on there. Yeah. He's not even getting the game. And I'm not being funny, he'd be starting for us, Kabay. And actually, they've got Loic Remy, as we mentioned. Exactly. Yeah. So it tells you the, the, the difference. They did have a, a good bench. Yeah. You just, for a couple That's, of years, it's not just the play behind from the waist, it's that three. And it's not working. It's, it's, it's been starkly put into. Sort of um, you know, in the shop window this this season, that because he's worked so much on the defence, it's sort of we, 
we've got a bit better at the back, but that's been a cost, hasn't it? That the three and three in front. Mm. I made me made to look a bit more vulnerable than what we last season when we had a bit we were going forward a little bit more and our four backs four backs were bombing on. I suppose if you're Ronald though and you've come in and you've gone right, where have I got without question yeah. got to sort out? Yeah. You've got to sort out the defence mm-hmm. and, and the protection of the back four. So totally second agree. second best defence in the league as we sit here. So you've got to say, well, he he is sorted or he's in the process of sorting that out. So we I guess in that respect I don't know, playing devil's advocate, can we be that critical of him? Not maybe focusing too much on the front three area at this time. Has he gone, look, it's it's a two-year project, it's a four-window project, I've got to sort out the defence, otherwise yeah. we're not going to get anywhere. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, but I think I think you're right. But actually, I think the criticism, actually, those three or four players that we're talking about, isn't it, are yeah. they? How many of them, you know, told, you know, Morales, De La Feu, Barkley... Throwing Valencia into the mix, Valencia. Yeah, how many of them at the moment? Are, yeah, are doing. Yeah, not doing well. Not, not yeah, doing well. Yeah. I think I, I like I like the fact that he's a bit inconsistent because I think you need that in the Premier League because because people are scouted out, aren't they, and sort of analysed, you know, to the end of the degree. I think somebody who gives you a little bit different that you don't yeah. know what he's going to do is actually an asset, and yeah. I'm, I'm quite happy for him to be in and out of games of being consistent. Do you need, do you need Mr. Consistent on the other side then? Then perhaps, yeah, yeah. or down, down, down the middle. The middle yeah. um, and we've got, and that's the problem, we've got three or four players who are, by nature, a little bit inconsistent, aren't they? Morales yeah. has always been like that, yeah. in and out. Data fails in and out, isn't he? Yeah. Ross, unfortunately, at the moment, is more out than in. How, yeah. how long can, sorry, Gav, how long can Ross stay in this team I know I've know we've done about it too long but how can he keep on with these performances and keep staying in the team now I heard someone say oh he created seven chances more than anyone else on the pitch on Saturday on Friday night well they were all set pieces so you can't just have they were all set pieces crosses in the box that's how he created them chances from dead ball situations now he's done nothing again now everyone wants him to do well but you can't justify him being in a team and it's difficult it's difficult to say because He's actually in Everton, he's a scout and everything else, yeah. but he can't do it. Well, yeah, yeah, what gets us back to where we're saying about the lack of recruitment in the summer? Mm. Who's taking his it's place? Just what I mean, my dad was saying to me, he needs dropping in the other 23s, and he needs going on loan. And I said, who thought that? And then he's going, well, but, and you, there's no one else, and this is the problem. He isn't, there's no, there's no one to replace Kevin Rowe. Kevin Rowe hasn't tell terrified you a battling for that shit. Not one of them are, are pulling the stripe out for it. And then you've got well, Ross who's playing behind yeah. um, Lukaku. Ross has basically got a shirt every week whether he likes it or not. And it's it's sad because they know they're getting a, they're, they're in there. So is that part of on some level even though Ross plays, so that's partly why Ronald maybe wanted to play Yannick closer to Ron for maybe thinking, well, I'm gonna have to find a solution yeah. of some description and yeah. whatever, I don't know. Yeah, I mean if if McCarthy came back, you could you could play like sort of four three three, couldn't you, with mm. McCarthy? Yeah. A guy and, and Barry and tell guys to get further up the pitch and then just play mm. wrong with player either side from say Morales and Balassi, something like that, you know, because that's what I'd probably do if McCarthy was fit at City, or I don't know if it's going to be no. the you know, he's, he's played M3 and tell, tell guys to get further up the pitch because he's obviously really capable of doing it. Yeah, and yeah. have McCarthy and Barry. Stop City at source, if yeah, you like. Well, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I mean, that's what I'd do. I wouldn't play 3 5 2 at City because they play really wide, don't they? Mm. And then you're really vulnerable with three centre halves and yeah. you've got your two four backs playing further up the pitch. I'd play 4 3 3 at City and like camp that space in front of your back four where Silver plays, you know, that's, yeah. that's what I'd do. And keep your, keep your four backs wide. But going back to the point, maybe that's. 
one of the options is don't play three behind drum, play two, but have three up play, play in front of play in front of your back four and, and tell mm. uh guys to get further up the pitch. Um, because it's just it's just not working at the moment and we just needed something a, a little bit different. And it, and to be fair to, to Ronald because we call him that he's been yeah. Yeah. Have that <laughs> Ronnie. Term, yeah, Ronnie. He has shown himself as of Friday to be prepared to tinker around from yeah. game to game and he's not mm. he's not he's not like totally like addicted to the four two three one formation. Oh, no. And I think maybe that's it. Is 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 think about it a bit differently where you're not playing three behind Ronnie playing two. One player's recent performances who I've been highly critical of as well. I'd like to talk, um, have a debate about him. Seamus Coleman. I think a game for me on Friday, his final ball was terrible. I think defensively he was quite shocking as well at times in the game. Now, can we see a reason behind his current form or anything? There's no injuries or nothing, is there? Is, is there any... I think if we look at Seamus objectively, sorry, you know, taking a step back from it and, and, and not with, you know, he's Seamus Coleman, 60 grand, what a fine, mm. what a buy. He's always had say issues but he's always had a lacking with the ball hasn't he you know he had that season where he scored five six goals yeah. and that was a real kind of high moment in other ways he's not consistently able to deliver a good cross but maybe that's ultimately why um you know we were able to get him for 60 grand because because the other people went well he's not good enough for arsenal because he can't deliver a cross he's not good enough for manchester united because he's not good enough on the ball but we we took a chance and thought we could create a Premier League. We have done. He's been terrific. You know, I think defensively he's, he's underrated. I think he's great running with the ball, mm. but it's what he does with it is 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 difficult to kind of say he's consistent. With and he, I never thought I'd say this, but I think in order to to turn into a Champions League level club, I actually think that long term we need to be sorry even mid to, mid to short yeah, term. Yeah. You sort of need to be looking at right back. Well, because in the final third, time and time and time again. He's too inconsistent. But it's not just that, Greg. It's recent defensive performances for me. Like Jordan Ivey took him the cleanest last week against Bournemouth. And I, I know he had no chance at the goal, but surely he should be calling for help if Ben Techie's playing on him all the time on, on Friday. He should be screaming, I'm getting out jumps here. And it was continually, a path was happening. Jordan Ivey took him the cleanest against Bournemouth. Just pinning him back, pinning him back. I think he, he needs another, and I'm not just singling, I just want to go on record as if I'm not singling Ross out. I'm going for Coleman as well because he needs to buck up as well. I'm not sure. I think he's been better this year than last year. Um, mm. I saw something over the weekend, so what you saying? Oh, he doesn't get in the box anymore and stuff. Well, he did that against Porter, didn't he? Terrific. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think his problem is a bit like Barkley. It's his decision making when he gets in and down the area. It's the only times he gets in a good position on the right hand side, you know, going into the penalty area. And he's just saying, put it across and he delays it. And, and how many times do you see him hit the ball and it? goes out for the corner or something like that because he's delayed too long he's allowed the defender to come in um, and I, I, I it, you do feel a little bit unfair criticising somebody costing £60,000 but I know what I know what Greg's saying and you know you're looking at Holgate aren't you who's, who's um, it's interesting where the Holgate long term wants to be a centre half though doesn't he so it's again does he have the quality on the ball to be you know, but it's obviously you know Cumin tried to get in Cuco Martina from Southampton. He yeah. wants competition for that place. It's obviously yeah. it is, it is an area that he knows he needs to you know to to, to put some put some pressure on Seamus. I'm stating the obvious here, Phil, but we have an half. Well, we are an half missing Leighton Baines, aren't we? Yeah, but right, and then look, let's be, let's be fair. Oviedo improved. He I did. Thought, I thought he, he surprised would, me because, because, and I think it was 
I think with Oviedo, look, he's nowhere near as good as Leighton. I think he's a fairly dependable backup. But it's 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 the nuances and the and and and, and the system now, isn't it? It's mm. it's about pressing, knowing when to press, when to drop off. And he clearly at Bournemouth he was nowhere near up to speed. He was better on Friday, but he doesn't offer as much as Leighton in every area, does he? So that's the concern, isn't it, that we that we that we lose Leighton and that the backup isn't immediately there, ready, knows the script, knows how to play the system and it's and it's no problem. You can you know you can cope without him. But yeah, it's a fair, I think it's a fair point. So we've got to say about Oviedo and Fairness. He had that horrible injury, didn't he, a couple of years yeah. ago, which I think. But I know you've done something today about Galloway, whether mm. you know, in the context of what we're talking about, whether the wisdom of sending Galloway on loan um, didn't add up for me at the time. But Phil, what's then. your Again, I think it's a little bit similar to Holgate. I think they've looked at it and gone, look, Galloway, long-term, is a centre-half. So we're going to start treating him like a centre-half. You're not going to get in at centre-half at Everton this season. So we're going to look to, we want you to play. We don't want you to just sit in the 23s. Mm-hmm. We want you to play Premier League football. West Brom will take you. Yes, they'll play you as a left-back. But is that is that a better situation for everybody involved including the lad to be playing Premier League football albeit in the position that long term he won't be rather than playing centre half at 23 level they've obviously decided it is but the downside for that as a us is that I mean Lane's becoming a little bit more injury prone as he's 32 yeah. in December yeah. because of his nature of his game over the years where he's you know he's a lot a lot relies a lot on pace and you know movement he's you know it's probably catches up with you at some point even though he's not to be fit lad that means that having done that we're bringing in somebody who's perhaps we're weakening the team perhaps mm. a little bit more than if Galloway who's experienced he had a lot of experience last year didn't he and it's I suppose it's the balancing off the two I mean I looking back on it now I, I thought I could see why he wanted Galloway to go mm. But looking back on it, I don't know what you think. So I, I, think, I, I, think, I, I think now I think well, maybe he should have stayed. He, he must regret it now, I think, because we've had cup games where he could have easily played as well. I mean, against knowledge, you can have a run out in there. And I, you, I, I, I like Galloway. I thought he'd done well last season when he came in for Leighton Baines. Yeah. But I think he's been shortchanged there by going to West Brom. I can see the logic behind it. But I think it'll probably be a good test for him because he's going to be playing under Pulis, who is so defensive-minded, isn't he? So he's going to learn a lot even yes. more yeah. of yeah. playing under that type of manager where he probably wouldn't under Koeman. He'd probably learn a lot more defensive duties under Ian Pula. So I think that, that'll probably stand the, him in good the stead. Ir- the irony of, of, this, of the whole Galloway situation is that at the start of the summer, we had too many left-backs, yeah. didn't we? Yeah, and, he, and Koeman said we were overloaded in left-back. And now Leighton gets injured, Oviedo's a little bit iffy and we're going, we don't have enough. Yeah. But he, and he brought Funes Mori there on to play on in France. He can do a job at least. I wouldn't solely rely on him. I think he only brought him on because of Palace's high threat. Mm. That, that, was, that was a concern, obviously, which shows he was astute in that. But Phil, we, I asked the fans outside out after the um, whistle, and I said, listen, after the six or seven games that we played, would you have, you have taken this start to the season, your take on? Yeah, I think you've got to. Two mm. points, average of two points a game. That's, that's you know, that's really good. Form, isn't it? Look, we've played teams that, you know, we would be expecting to have beaten, and we have done. But you know, and got a good point against Spurs, set back at Bournemouth, of course, and tougher tests are going to come. But you know, the, we're feeling our way in, aren't we? And so t- to get positive results whilst doing that um, is encouraging. And and you know, and you think 
you know, think you've got to think about what what it's going to be like in three or four months, five months' time, maybe in the back end of the season. And Ronald's really had time to get them. He's had a second window. He's had more time with his players. I I I hope, and I might be wrong, and I'm not nothing based on particular sort of scientific, but I think that I can just I can just feel, especially what he did at Southampton, that the longer it goes on, the longer he's got with them, the better we'll become. And the more consistent we'll become, we'll probably finish strongly. Yeah, I, I agree, because I think Southampton finished stronger last mm. season. I think Southampton went to Tottenham and beat them right. towards the end of last season. Yeah. So that, that, wouldn't, that just shows you what, it, what, what they can do. And I think they've won five and drew one, I think, last season. I think Cameron's only lost was one of his last 14 Premier League games. Right. Like that, that was the game of Bournemouth. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I Your agree. take on the season, Gab, so far? Uh, I, I, from the points perspective... The, the, there's two angles to me. The, the playing side and the generally the strategy side, I suppose you'd have to say. From the playing side, I'd say, yeah, I agree, 14 points. Um, although he did laugh on Friday when I think he was asked what in the press conference, mm. you, you, you should you be higher. And he'd be laughing <laughs> at, but I could see what the club might have been, because actually you've dropped five points in yes. two games against Bournemouth yeah. away and Palace at home. And mm. actually, aren't you thinking you get maybe four points in those two games, not one? So we might yeah. actually see what yeah. that... And I think that was maybe behind some of the doing on 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 Friday, Friday night. It seems sorry, Gab. Teams are raving over City, Liverpool, and Man- and Tottenham at the moment. There's a couple of points behind them. Yeah, I know that, that's it. But I think what, and that's fine. That goes back to from the points perspective, five from the performance perspective. Okay, I don't think we've come out playing, you know, total football or playing like the Dutch in the mid seventies. You know, we we we. we he made an important point. I think I said to you, Phil, after the after the game. I think he said, I think he said, some of the lines we've not stole any points mm. this mm. season. I think he was looking at it from the positive angle, from the fact that actually we've we worked very hard to get every point and we deserve it all. Yeah. The downside to that, which I think Kevin Nackler said on Friday, I think he yes, said in, the, yeah, in yeah. the echo yesterday. Downside to that is actually so. What you're saying is. You don't think you, you can in a position yet where you can put in a, a sort of below par performance and still nick a yeah. still nick a point, and I think that was quite an, a, an illuminating co- mm. uh, comment. I think sorry, Gavin. I think that's what Tottenham have done so well this season, haven't they? I think they got a point at Goodison. They got a point against Liverpool, but they didn't play well. Yeah. But they got points when they, I don't think Everton have got that in the locker yeah. room. Yeah, from from behind from behind to both games, yeah. and, and I think and I think that's right, but. That's just, I think, because of the way the team developed. But I think the thing is, is that you could see that he's thinking about the team. He's having time to see who's good and not good. Mm-hmm. He, he's changed a few things around, changed a few things around during the game. And I think that's the encouraging bit for me. He's not just said, here's 4 2 3 one, yeah. and we're playing this every week. And like, it doesn't wear, but we're still doing mm-hmm. it. And, and, and at risk of, and I don't want anybody to think that suddenly I'm, I'm thinking everything's going to become a West Brom, but I think. From get from speaking to Ronald, the time I have and the time I spent with him and watching the team so far, I think he's very much of a mindset: is we'll do fairly well this season if we just make ourselves hard to beat. Yeah. And mm-hmm. people don't really want to hear that about Premier League football. It's about expansive football. It's about scoring goals. Well, no, if you're hard to beat, you, you know, look at Southampton's defensive record in, in his first season. It was tremendous. Yeah. You know, and he, that is a huge thing that he will place value in. And it doesn't. He's trying to sell that. Yeah. It's not an easy sell. But at the end of the season, if we finish sixth or seventh and we've qualified for the Europa League and we haven't scored 65, 70 mm. goals, but we haven't conceded many either, yeah. who's, think, you know, everybody's I, happy. One thing I've been alerted to in his press conferences straight after the game is he's coming on and he's saying, 
we, the team didn't have that many shots on target. They only had one shot on target. They had no shots on target. And he's alluded to it. Right. Like after every single game, he will touch on how many strikes on goal the opponents had. So he's, yeah. he's probably saying, listen, if we can stop goals yeah. from us, we're going to win games. Especially and when I, know that's, I know that's the Tony Pulis mentality. But we've got a 20-goal a season, man, in the team. Exactly. Well, you've got exactly. a chance. We've got that's better players, yeah. yeah. That's it. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I was... I was from a historical perspective, I was just thinking on the way up, and maybe this is to discuss another day, but at the moment it reminds me very much of Moyes' first season in 2002-03, where the ground out results, you know, mm. they, they got 59 points, but every game was 1-0 or 2-1, and they had to work really, really hard every game. When we game. finished fourth that season, I think we When we finished seventh, oh, yeah, sorry, I think yeah. we were like sort of... Third or fourth for a lot of the season and tailed off near the end because of that thing we just ran out of seed. Yeah. And I think um, we that whole season we got what we deserved. We were 100% every game. And um, this has a similar feel to me, Abby. We've got better players that I think, hopefully, as you said, Phil, later on in the year we can kick on rather than like on the yeah. boys we, uh, we went downhill. Yeah. But at this moment in time, it feels very much like September, October 2002, where we were winning games 1 0. Yeah. Not conceding, but not offering a lot at the other end either. Well, mm. given given what Goodison has gone through, and it goes back to the fan feel about games at the start of, of the podcast. If you if you're turning up to Goodison, if it comes to February March, and you know you absolutely can bank on Everton home performance, really solid. They'll be a, they'll be dangerous, you know, from set pieces, and they'll be they'll be a threat, but they'll. They will be very, very difficult to break down. I think you're going to Goodison confident, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. I think one, one fan spoke to me after the whistle on Friday, and he made a great point. He said last season it become a chore to come the match. Yeah. Now I'm looking forward to it, and I tell you everything about Ronald Koeman's Everton this season. Excellent, lovely stuff. Well, we'll uh, reconvene later in the week. Obviously, the international break, but still plenty of talks about with the Blues. So thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you again soon. <laughs>